1: two guys one mic one producer and lots of opinions and hopefully uh, some good call ins today as well that's what we do here in the two guys at a mic show welcome everybody tuesday version Of the two guys, Mike Show here in the talkzone.com. Thanks for joining us. Plenty to talk about. Residue Tuesday, meaning we will pick up some of the residue from the sports weekend. Some sports stories we haven't got to. Got a little college football to talk about. A little interview with Bob Costas and the much maligned Jerry Sandusky. Some baseball news, awards, and new coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Monday night football, and of course, the dreaded down story of the day, the NBA lockout. We'll talk about all that in. Mucho, mucho más. Here are the two guys at a mic show. A little bit of music, and we begin the show Big Dog and a Coach at your service.
2: Hey,
1: when's that Three Stooges movie coming out? Pretty soon? With a Benico, what's his name? Benico del Toro as Mo? No, 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 no. All the A all the list actors dropped out. Ah, on the project. Killed. So we got the B list guys playing the Stooges, C and D list. C and D. Ah, are, you... are the Farrelly brothers producing them? If it's the Farrelly brothers, it can't be too bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, the Farrelly brothers are still involved, but uh, they're, they're they're not cranking out the comedies like they used to. Uh, right ask me way. if
1: I've ask me if I've taken a bath lately.
0: Have you taken a bath lately? Why
1: is one missing? Uh, All right. Doc. Ask me to call you a cab. No, I'll pass on <laughs> <laughs> 888-463-6748, the phone number, Big Dog and a coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. And thanks for joining us here talk sports and more. The two guys at a mic show. we got to pick up uh, some of the college football, NFL football we did not get to from over the weekend, but uh, uh we do have the depressing story of an apparently uh, extended NBA lockout. In fact, as I welcome in the Big Dog, Joel Radwanski, let's get the bad news out of the way. We're not going to spend... A whole bunch of the show we haven't really, for the most part, because it's, it's it's kind of a boring story. But let's get it out of the way, big dog. It looks like there, you know, it's a possibility anyway. There might be no NBA basketball at all this year. Your level of disappointment? Uh, one, and
3: that is just <laughs> one out of ten. Out of, out of ten, and that's because that's Derrick Rose's number, and that's the only reason why I would really wow. care that the NBA wasn't around. I, I really don't care about the NBA.
1: I thought I'd get I thought I'd get a three or four out of you, but a one. Yeah, I could care
3: less. I have I love college basketball. The NBA has been set up so improperly for so long, and go on and on about how bad the business model is for the NBA. So I, I could really care less. The whole time it's it, it, for years it was set up that if you had a bad team, you were better off and you'd make more money, and it's still mm-hmm. like that. The Golden State Warriors were sold recently. They were the highest. Ever, they have the highest value in the whole NBA. Where the Golden State Warriors, teams like that, have higher values than teams like the Lakers, the Bulls, and the Knicks.
1: Interesting. I'm not sure it's, it's true, but it's interesting. It's,
3: well. You? It, Go look it up. The Golden State Warriors were the highest value team in the NBA last year, and they they sold for over half a billion dollars.
1: I don't want to question your uh, National Basketball Association financial knowledge, but uh, we I, have
3: – I do want to talk about it. It's so boring <laughs> to me. So I think they're – you... I not care less about it. About... Yeah,
1: I'm with you pretty much. Yeah, on yeah. That. And I think I think most people are, too. Do you have any idea what the, – the, the, they got close. What is or what are the couple of final stumbling blocks? It sounds like something the owners – offered and the players just wouldn't quite meet him and greet him at what would you know what the specific was
3: yeah the specific is david stern is an idiot and and he's i shouldn't say idiot he's a he's a pompous you know what uh because quite honestly he comes out and says either take it or leave it and the players look at it and they're like okay we just want to talk about a few things he's like too bad and he pulls it away He's like, you're going to get even a worse deal next time if you didn't take this one. So,
1: so you're saying it's his attitude as much as the specifics that's causing the problem?
3: And then he comes in and has all those quotes about the players. David's like legitimately, I'm uh, the most overpaid athlete in the world is an NBA basketball player, period. That is true. They, without question, I cannot believe that 12 guys get 57% of the money coming into an organization. Yeah. That is just absolutely asinine. From the onset, that is, I cannot believe. It. I want I want that to be said. And typically, I'm on owner side all the time. But the owner side is such a bad deal; you can't give everything back on one deal. You got you to kind of work your way. They're asking for 49 percent of the money, and then all the other contingencies, coach. Like every single possible contract contingency that is on there is like pro owners, and the players were like, "Whoa, hold up! We're giving back. We're giving back two billion dollars a year." We, you, we're not going to give you everything else also, which makes total sense. And, and I'm almost always with the owners on this. And I, and normally the NBA players who uh, typically, you know, when, when I worked at Nike Town, we knew when somebody was an NBA player and somebody was a football player because the NBA player would act like a jackass and a football player would be totally cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I don't like NBA players whatsoever in a sense of how they act and just carry themselves, comport themselves in regular society with, when they walk around with 15 different people in their posse, you know, and I know they have a lot of their friends to support, and you know, and this contract, so it's pretty big for them. But yeah, the way the owners have acted in all this, like, I'm just like, I could care less who wins this. To be honest with you, these these owners have a horrible deal. They're asking way too much of the players, and then they're have, they're saying stuff like, oh, the players don't even understand what's in this contract. Really, you don't think these guys understand what the heck's in this contract? It's just been, it's been really the ugliest labor negotiation in the mm-hmm. history of sports. And if it wasn't for the NFL football season right now, uh, it probably would be, like, we would, people would really know how contentious it is. Mm-hmm. Like, suppose, like, Dwayne Wade almost choked David Stern one day, and I don't blame Dwayne Wade, okay? Because I, I look at David Stern sort of feel like I choked him every once in a while. <laughs> so um, I, the more and more this goes on, I can't, so- I, I, like, I'm, like, I'm like, David Stern, you really are he doesn't want the season to happen. I don't, he, I don't know about that. Wait, wait, which is oh, he blames? He, he does all this stuff, and as soon he what deal. Oh, this is a take or leave it. Oh, you don't want it. You don't we won't even talk about it. We pulled off the table, and then he goes and says, "Oh, the players are trying to blow the season up." That, that's what's that's what's making me upset is David Stern is negotiating like he's hardline, and then he goes to the press like I can't believe the players won't take it. <laughs> Make your mind up, David Stern. Okay. And it's
0: and it's such a dangerous proposition because if they do cancel the season, good luck getting your fan base back in this recession with those ticket prices.
2: Good
3: oh, luck. A, amen, David. Well, and what about a, all those? What about all those people that depend on those jobs and stuff?
1: What well, now that's that that's a better factor. But I'm not sure I agree with David's comment because most of the NBA fans that are able to pay money to go to the games they're part of the one percent anyway. So I don't think. That group's still going to be able to go. Now, the fan base watch. They're going to
3: lose, they'll lose 20% of their other fan base immediately. Boom, it well,
1: gone. 20% at the games or 20% of their followers via TV, Twitter, and all the others? Everything.
3: Streams? 20% Everything. of everyone see, will I'm, go away immediately. Uh,
1: I think they still might. Well, maybe. Maybe. I think it'll definitely affect the people following the game because people will find other ventures. It happened in other sports, and I think we'd see the same thing in the NBA.
3: Yeah, well, I just the something bothers me is all these other people that have no business whatsoever to do with it that are being affected monetarily. What about the municipalities that have built these arenas and now these owners? Don't forget the owners want to mind you, and I am no, always on the owner's side and I'm not on this side. the The owners locked them out, so now they're the ones deciding not to uh, have games in these arenas to pay back these municipalities that have paid for these arenas. Okay, so. What about all these cities right now that will be like, okay, how are you going to pay for your bonds on, on the arenas that we built for you? This is such an ugly story all the way through, Coach, and it comes back to David Stern every single time. And I'm not going to go as far as what Gumbel called him. But I, the fact that I backed up David Stern that day, that's how bad uh, how offended I was by what uh, like Gumble was trying to say. But I will tell you this, David Stern is the biggest problem in this whole situation, Coach.
1: And again, it's it's not only the specifics of what they're fighting for. By the way, as a sidelight, one of the lead, if not the lead owner, in fighting against the players and holding strict and, 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 and uh, staunch in the negotiations is is Michael Jordan. He's like one of the leaders of the, of the smaller market owners, and the smaller market ones are the ones that are fighting hardest to not give in. So you got MJ right out in front. I'm not sure if you're aware of that or not.
3: Yeah, you know what's funny is when – uh Michael Jordan was a player. I don't, I really haven't seen too much about this, but when Michael Jordan was a player, he was not part of the the player union. I don't know if you know that, coach.
1: No, I was not aware either way. Quite frankly,
3: the, the, the reason why was because Michael Jordan was losing ten to twenty to who knows fifty million dollars. By the way, the NBA was the, set up, and the fact that it protected the smaller market team. Mm-hmm. Okay, well now, and he hated it back then complained about it, the whole revenue sharing thing was because the owners had to have, you know, share revenue. That meant that there was caps on players' salaries. And, and honestly, just say if it, if it was set up like baseball, if, if basketball was set up like baseball when Michael Jordan was playing for the Bulls, the Bulls' value would not have gone up after Jordan retired. That's the craziest thing. When Jordan retired in 1999, the Bulls' value went up because they no longer had to pay his salary. Okay, and only get one thirtieth of the income that you normally get out of a player because they had to share all their revenue with the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what? So if it was like baseball, what would happen is they would get legitimately coached. Believe this or not, fifty percent of whatever, um, whenever a Michael Jordan jersey was sold, they would have got fifty percent. Back then, more than fifty percent of the jerseys sold in the NBA were Michael Jordan jerseys. Out of the three hundred players in the league. 50% of the jerseys were Michael Jordan being sold, yet the Bulls only got 130th of the money. What if they got 50% left baseball and they could pay Jordan whatever they wanted? They could have paid him $100 million a year, Coach. It's no joke. So if that would have happened, the teams like in uh, – well, Utah was good at that time, and Utah was really good about developing players, but like smaller market teams would have been wiped totally off. So now what it is now is uh TV money split 130th. Merchandise money, 130th. Everything is split 130th except your gate of the game, which is legitimately less than 10% of what a team normally brings in. So now Jordan, doesn't. he's in Charlotte, has a small market team, so he wants to make sure all uh, like it's, everything is shared perfectly equally throughout uh, a basketball. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a real big question. So what ends up happening, Coach, is back when the Bulls were winning 72 games back in 1996, the Clippers won, like, 20 games. The Bulls, the Bulls had to split all their revenue besides their gate, okay, which was still a lot of money because the Bulls had 25000 going to the United Center back then. But what had happened is the year that the Bulls won $72 million, or won, 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 won 72 games, the Clippers had the worst record in the league. And uh, what's the name of the guy out in, uh, in in Los Angeles? His name was, like, Stern or something like
1: Donald, that? Donald Sterling.
3: Donald Sterling, okay. Well, he makes sure that they have the worst team in the league. They continue to get one thirtieth of the merchandise money, one thirtieth of the of the TV money. He has the worst team in the league. They have no payroll. And guess what? During that run, during the during nineteen ninety five ninety six, the Clippers made more money than the Bulls made in 96, 97, and the ninety eight championship
1: seasons combined. Was that partly the selling of the the Elgin Baylor jersey? The retro? Well,
3: no, no. Coach, you're missing totally what I'm saying. No, I,
1: I'm getting it. I'm putting that in.
3: The Bulls get as much money out of the Allen Brand jersey yes. as, uh, as the Clippers do get yeah. out of a Michael Jordan jersey. Yeah, you're
1: talking about all, every team shares the revenue equally.
3: So what ends up happening is you're better off having a crap team. So all those years when people were ripping on, oh, like, Reinsdorf and all those guys suck, and oh, they, I can't believe they only paid Jordan $36 million. They weren't even making that much money. They, their value and their team went up the mm-hmm. day he retired, which is disgusting. Yeah. The NBA has been set up, jacked up for years, for years.
1: And now they're trying so. to make up for it a little bit. NBA uh, financial. No, no,
3: no, nothing. No, 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 no. What they're making it even well, worse. Well, they're trying to they're get making a better. It d- even worse. What, that's what, That league, forget that league. They're trying to set the league up so you're better off having a crap team financially. You know
1: what? Go ahead. You can keep that
3: league. I'll take well, the NFL. No, I'll take the NFL. what happens when you, win Super Bowl. you make
1: a boatload of money. Slow down, Cowboy. Slow down for a second. By the way, you want to chime in and, uh, and uh, check in with a uh, deeply impassioned big dog, Joel Radwanski, 888-463-6748, talking the NBA lockout. The current negotiation is to take money away from the players yeah. Increase the profits of the teams. It's not so much about equalizing between the different teams, the 130th, as you like to call it. It's just uh, uh, it's too many teams have been losing money. So they're trying, the deal that they gave the players was way too good. So that's not exactly there, connected. There, there,
3: and, the, and, and the way they're trying to keep the salaries down, coach, is to make it uh, teams unable to spend their money on free agents. So it is a hard cap, which mm-hmm. means that. Well. New York can't spend more money than Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. That is equalization of everything. <clears throat> it also means that they have to split their money equally.
1: Well, there's a hard cap in baseball as well. It doesn't mean every team is going to spend no equal amount of money. There's, there's
3: no th- hard cap in baseball.
1: Well, there but there's a limit to how much you can spend. Now, some teams, like in the NBA, if, they, if that. If that if they get this negotiation to pass, it doesn't mean every team's going to spend equal amount of money.
3: But there is a the cap way, to how way, much baseball, they can spend. It's totally different. No, that's, that's completely different. Than All right. Forget about baseball, but
1: my NBA comment is correct, is it not? Whatever. No, not. What? No, no, it's not. You what? only can spend so much money, Coach. I, I, I said also, that. I understand that. So
3: how, how are they trying to make it better? No,
1: why, no, 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 good, no, 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 no. The point I was what trying to doing make now
3: is lowering the cap. That's what they're trying to do. Well, they're good. They
1: sh- they should lower the cap.
3: They should. They should lower the cap. Yes. Why? Why should they lower?
1: Because the cap? well, you just said, the NBA players, the most overplayed players in sports. Oh, uh,
3: they, that, they definitely are. They okay. definitely are, without question.
1: By the way, Shameless in, uh, in uh, Schaumburg has a response to you, and Shameless actually has a pretty good point. And, and, you know, you know me, I'm not for higher player salaries, God forbid, but if you look at roster size of football and baseball compared to basketball and how hard it is, how elite you have to be to make an NBA team versus how elite you have to be to make a baseball or a football team, really it's a matter of numbers unless I'm missing something, right? Brings up a good point, shameless. Baseball, you got 25, football, you got 53, basketball, 12, it's a lot. Harder to make the NBA. Those twelve that make a team should be able to get big bucks. I'm not agreeing with that. That's shameless in Schomburg.
3: No, no, I, uh, I understand. I've, I've already put that in the in the context. Shameless in Schomburg, because uh, <laughs> I, I, no, no, I, I like what you're saying because it totally makes sense. And I thought about this. I thought about this twenty years ago when I was when I was in college figuring this stuff out. The, don't forget too that when you grow up. Shameless, you grew up dreaming that you hit the seventh, uh, the, what do you call it, a home run in the seventh game, that you scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Who, who cares? Nope. You didn't grow up saying, hey, I'm going to go play basketball. People want to play football and want to play. There's uh, Legitimately, four times as many people want to play football nowadays as want to play basketball.
1: Mm-hmm. My, there you go. My dream growing up, by the way, was to be in an Internet talk show with a co-host uh, that wasn't in studio but on the other end of a phone line.
3: So well luckily I've luckily I've made your dream happy. I'm <laughs> sure.
1: I was able to achieve the dream. I don't want to set the bar too high, big dog. You know, it's you gotta be able to do it's like the uh what's that game where you go under the bar, the uh Limbo. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to set it too high, I wanted to make sure I was able to get uh, you know, underneath it or over it, whatever whatever the case might be. But uh oh well, at any rate, it sounds like in conclusion. That's That's. It's not going to exactly ruin your winter if there's no NBA basketball. That sounds you know, I, safe to say.
3: I, I could. Yeah, I'll miss Derek Rose. I. Uh, I got other stuff that I need to get done, Coach. Yep. Like, oh, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do without NBA basketball. Really, you don't? Don't you have any? Don't you have like a girlfriend rub up on or something? I mean, seriously.
1: <laughs> well, there's always college basketball. Which, by the way, there was a number of games yesterday and tonight. If you want to watch, Mike Schiffsky. Excuse me, God bless you. Mike Krzyzewski, um possibly get the all-time wins record in Division One to beat his ex-coach and good friend, or uh, Roberto Knight, Mr. Bobby Knight. Uh, they're playing Michigan State tonight on ESPN. Big dog, pretty good college hoops game right there for you.
3: As a matter of fact, there's nothing but college basketball on 24 hours today. It's one of the coolest yep. new traditions that ESPN has started. Yep. So that's what I did last night, coaches. I, I sat on the couch, put a blanket on, Started watching college basketball, and I fell asleep somewhere in the middle of Drexel Fairley Dixon.
1: So, (laughs) Uh, What do you think about the uh, Elon-Hampton game at 10.30 this morning? You got a pick there?
3: Uh, Not yet, Coach. I'm I'm still looking for some late information. I don't know who's (laughs) left in yet.
1: I will tell you, I've been uh, perusing with uh, maybe 80% degree of intensity my two college basketball magazines that I did buy totally... uh, uh, up on my college hoops now. I got all the incoming freshmen up on the junior college transfers. I'm right there for you, big dumb. I am, uh, I am your college basketball friend. If you want to pick my brain or piquet my brain.
3: Well, absolutely. Because I, I legitimately, if if this does happen, and I have told you, I'm going to concentrate on some college basketball this year. Yep. I'm going to make it a point. To, yep. To, you know, and if the NBA really does what
1: they do, I will never go back. I'll be done forever. Oh, stop. I will no. I'll be Come done. On. I'll be done forever. Just because they go and, on strike for a year? a year. was a whole entire season. So why would you blame new coaches and new players three or four years from now for what happened this year?
3: Because I'll try to figure out something better to do with my nights in February. How
1: about that? That's a different story. If you found better things to do, but but just to say, you know, refuse to watch NBA basketball ever again if these players and David Stern and the owners, you know, go on strike. Now, you you know, four or five years later, things can change.
3: You know, I don't think. Why couldn't we start our own leagues, Coach? I've already thought the NBA would be better with a twenty-team league, anyways.
1: It's an interesting thought.
3: I think I can get it done. I actually was thinking about how to put this together, and I'll try yeah. to come up with a solution this afternoon.
1: Yeah, you don't need all these super stuff. Bring in, you know, there's tons of good players. Open, no, Hold no, 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 open no, no. Tryouts. No, no, no.
3: Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Were you trying to? Were you thinking that I was trying to tell you that these owners, these NBA owners, should bring in new players?
1: No, I thought you were going to start a new league.
3: Yeah, yeah, me, yeah, and I would be using right. the NBA players. The, the form of the the best professional basketball players right now that can't get work because they've been locked out of their workplace, mm-hmm. I'd be more happy to hire for my own basketball league. Yes. That's what I would be going after. Let's start. I would be going after a guy named Sasha that was a cut by the Clippers last season. Okay, because he's he's available. All
1: right. How, how about this here? This will be a great idea number one hundred and thirty one that the big dog and coach have come up with that will go nowhere. Let's start a league of players. We'll call it not the Field of Dreams, the Court of Dreams League. Okay. And in order to be drafted, you could not have played Division One basketball. Open tryouts in every in every uh, city. These are guys that played in the streets, played in the playgrounds, maybe had some troubled past, some, maybe some players that weren't good enough or, you know, were average players in high school. But you know what? They, you know, matured by age 24, 25, 26, 27. They're dominating the men's rec league. They're pretty good. So now we put our court of dreams league together. And you can yeah, see how it. the fans are going to buy into this here because these are the guys that you really want to root for. Well, and you you're, actually you're, make you're, it like a, huh? You're crazy, because No one will watch that. I think they will.
3: I think, I think, I a- think the
1: sentiment break. out there, I think it's quite the opposite. I think everybody would get into it and everybody would watch it's a brilliant idea. Oh, okay. Probably
0: so a, a whole we'll league we'll full of Demetri McCameys is what you're, uh, you
1: know, proposing. No. no, 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 quite the opposite. Quite the
3: opposite. Because I hear what you're, doing. you said didn't attend Division One high school. Right.
1: No, no Division college. So, One college players.
3: Kevin Durant. Oh no no! LeBron James, Kobe Bryant,
1: and like, <laughs> no no like no. Yeah. I like where you're going with that, coach. Yeah yeah no no no. Come no. on, coach. <laughs> You can't do what you're saying. Why not? I, uh, I'd get into it. Wouldn't Wouldn't you go watch a Chicago team? You know if. Oh, if they, so
3: you're really not trying to make any money. You're just trying to have a like a nice heartwarming story.
1: Yeah, and you know, it'd be a way of uh, paying some of these guys. You know, a little bit of a salary they get. Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars to be, uh, you know, players you can't live up.
3: Out- guys more than ten grand. Why not? There's okay, Herm Edwards. There's there's no way you'd be able to make money in a league like that with a bunch of no names.
1: You don't think fans would come out right now? That that the mentality of sports fans would totally get into teams like that and guys like you might sell out huge facility. You'd be surprised. Because I think people are ready for something completely different. If it was handled right and you got the right players in the league, I think people would buy into it.
3: Okay, well, if you paid these guys about about $2,000 a month, okay, gave them a really low per, per diem, all right, and you got one guy that was a YouTube sensation, like that white dude from Illinois College dunking over everybody, Yep. and then you got somehow we're able to get like the UIC Pavilion right Rent it out for like less than like 25 grand. Mm-hmm. You might be able to make money for like a couple of nights. I, I, but I hate to tell you, coach, that was it would wear, it would wear off. I'd, right. Maybe we can get some type of cult following. I was actually like legitimately trying to start a new basketball league. 20 guys, 82 team league, 20 teams. Uh, there's a way to do it. These owners have jacked up their league so bad. They don't deserve to have a, a basketball franchise anymore. Mm-hmm. They've even admitted, we can't even open our doors. We'll lose money. Well, if you set it up where nobody can really make money, that's what's going to happen to you, NBA. So they've gotten what they deserve, Coach. So I I want to start my own league.
1: All right, there it is. Big dog, uh, Joel Radwanski, starting his own league. I've got my own league. We'll see. We'll see whose league makes more money. You'll have to pay higher salaries, I guarantee you that. My league, and you can't steal my name. I've already got the Court of Dreams League. You, you, can, you can have a coach. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Dog and the coach at your service here. Are the two guys at a mic Show Talk dot com. We do it every, every Monday through Friday, 10 in the morning until 11, one hour a day. That would make five in total. By the way, big Dog, we got to congratulate, uh, emailer Kevin who went three and oh on beat the schmoes. He went across the board. Can't even tell you what his picks were, but, uh, the schmoes. We're defeated this week in the football predictions. Shocking.
3: Uh, and then that's definitely my fault. I don't have to blame myself yeah. for that. So.
1: Yeah, we do count on you for uh, you know for a little bit. But you got—I prefer to blame David Olson, who has been a consistent three zero, and he slipped off the two and one.
3: You yeah. know, if he goes two and one the rest of the way, he's going to finish at over seventy percent, which is like unheard of. It's unheard of. You don't go seventy percent in picking uh, games against the spread, especially in yeah. that in the
1: NFL, Coach. That is the key that you're picking against the spread. Hey, uh, the story that's out there this morning, I want to get your thoughts on it real quick, and I believe it's going to air David Olson, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, tonight, the Bob Costas interview with Jerry San and Dusky the Pennsylvania State University controversy slash situation Big Dog gets stranger by the minute. Don't know if you've heard the interview, but it's going to be right out there for you, and it's rather Costas, I've heard it on radio, he doesn't Beat around the bush at all. I mean, he gets right to the point, Ask Jerry Sandusky direct questions. Have you heard any of it? And if you haven't, yeah. any chance you would actually tune in, or are you done with the story?
3: Well, I, 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 I do, I am getting sick uh, of the story, to be honest with you. Yep. But last night, walking through the kitchen, thought I was like, yeah, hey, you might want to watch this. And I, said, I'm, I saw it. And I got to tell you something. I don't like Bob Costas. I do things a little pompous. Wait, it, it was
1: on last night? Yeah, yeah, it was on last night. Oh, I thought it was tonight. No, it was on
3: last
0: night, and it's, like, everywhere now. Ah,
3: Yeah, And and all i got to say is I'm extremely proud of Bob Costas because the stuff that I would want to ask him, he asked him. And I swear to you, there was a tone to it where, I swear to you, Coach, there was a tone to the interview where it sounded like, Hey, Sandusky, if this wasn't in front of millions of people, I would be choking you right now i'm not kidding you there's like that tone it's awesome
2: yep
3: like he asked the question are you sexually attracted to teenage boys
1: yep
3: oh uh, 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 yeah <laughs> Sandusky's like oh uh, uh like he didn't even know what to say coach it was yeah. beautiful
1: he kind of stammered and slumped a little bit and then he said uh-huh. well uh, well i like kids and i've always enjoyed being around young kids but sexually attracted no but he definitely stammered his way through that a little bit
3: yeah, that's I, I, that right there won the interview. He just basically yep. was like, "Yeah, you're you're a pos." Basically, it was beautiful, coach. Mm-hmm. So
1: all right. Oh, see, yeah. I thought that Did was.
3: Benefit of the doubt. I don't think so. And now they're going to start smearing these. Oh, these these boys were lying. Come on,
1: come on. What about the strategy? David Olson brought this up. An interesting strategy, and I'm assuming it was a strategy. He had a choice, but to come out. And do a public interview with a major guy like Bob Costas? Uh, uh, good strategy, bad strategy, or anywhere in the vast in between? Big Dog,
3: I don't think it was going to hurt his uh, his credibility whatsoever because he didn't say anything. Uh, he, it didn't it didn't change. Is him? I don't think it made it any worse for him yesterday. It really didn't make it any worse for Sandusky last night. How could it at this point? Mm-hmm. So, in you in that situation, you know it's... You have eight people go to police said that you have raped them. Everybody is going to believe that the children would not make this story individually. I don't think there's eight coincidences of boys coming in and lying. By at the, the way, the, the
1: the lawyer so hinted the lawyer hinted that some of those kids are actually going to retract their stories. That's what he.
3: That's 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 what I'm saying, Coach. Come on, come on. So, it's, uh, it's, we all we all really feel like what happened. So mm-hmm. we even have to. Okay. So my point is I don't think it it, it hurt him whatsoever. I don't think anymore, like, whoa, now I I really think he's he's evil. It's the same way I did about him before this interview.
1: Yeah. Well, it's hard to hurt a guy who was about as, you know, as despised and low down on the uh, totem pole as you could possibly get in the American public's viewpoint. So I guess that's one way of looking at it. You only got one way to to go in that particular um,
3: situation. You know, he's – have you you, know, you do realize? I'm starting again. I'm real getting upset about this now, Coach. The woman, the judge, the woman judge that sentenced him, or what do you call it? Did the whole arraignment? Yeah, hearing. she
1: was. She was part of the charitable organization,
3: and she, and she let him out on a hundred thousand bail on his own, which he didn't even have to pay. It's just in case he doesn't show up, he'd have to owe the hundred thousand. Okay, so he didn't have to come up with ten thousand dollars like everybody else would in the United States of America.
1: Huh? How did that Isn't work? I've heard of jurors not supposed to be connected, but the you know, judge, have any connection with the with the person that uh, that's being tried. But the judge is part of the charitable organization that that Jerry Sandusky, the guy who was being tried, is uh, not just part of but but created. That's kind of a weird situation.
3: And and it was said it was said that supposedly they wanted a half a million dollar bond that needed to be retained, so Sandusky had to come up with a with fifty thousand dollars, basically cash in order to get out of jail. Okay. Well they let him out on a hundred thousand, which means he didn't even have to come up with like a hundred thousand non secured bonds. So he didn't even have to come up with the ten grand. He doesn't even have to wear the bracelet and believe it or not, his backyard backs up to elementary school. What the heck is wrong with people? Now this guy's walking around that that neighborhood walking his dogs and stuff with Penn State uh like sweat gear on every day. And supposedly people are coming out of their Front yards and like screaming at him, take that Penn State off off. I'll kill you. And like, like, legitimately, people are like yelling at him. I'm going to kill you if you walk down my street again with the Penn State stuff
1: on. Oh. Uh, what, what, the audacity this guy has, coach. Terrible thought, and one that just entered my head. But um, what are the odds in the next two weeks we're going to hear another coach sexual allegation with young player, young players, or young kids story? In other words, one comes out, and all of a sudden, someone else is going to feel safe enough to do it.
3: Well, I I hope that there isn't one going on. I hope it doesn't
1: happen. I'm just saying.
3: But, but no, no, if it is, if there is some form of that going on in the world, maybe if somebody has enough guts now to come forward to see what's going on, Mm -hmm. the... Maybe that we, there's something good that has to come out of this, okay, and that's the only good that can happen is people now realize that they see something, they have to do something, and if something happened to somebody, they realize, you know what, it's okay, maybe I can talk about it and tell somebody. Yep.
1: alright four six three six seven four. A couple of uh, not exactly uh, fun, positive, happy-go-lucky stories like we tend to keep this show to uh, open up the show, the NBA lockout and the uh, – Interview with Bob Costas and Jerry Sandusky and the whole Pennsylvania State University situation uh, leading off our show. Big Dog and a coach here, 888-463-6748. By the way, as a quick sidelight to pick things up a little bit, Big Dog, more Tuesday night college football for you. It's weird. It's strange. It's right there for you, though. On Tuesday night, another pretty good game, Northern Illinois taking on Ball State tonight just to change the topic if I possibly could.
3: Yeah, and uh, we all know that Northern Illinois is uh, a lot better than Ball State is this year. But Ball State always plays Northern Illinois mm-hmm. really tough. That's a it's a major rival, and uh, Northern Illinois is is looking good for a, a bowl, no matter what happens in the the MAC championship game.
1: But uh, have become a very good uh, semi national story. They got an All American quarterback in Chandler uh, Harness, but uh, Northern's having a great season.
3: Man, they move the ball up and down the field, don't they? At Northern Illinois so They do it's, indeed. It's just you know, they got they call the two plays. They the run and the pass, they go up to the line, they call the right play, and they just keep moving. I I love this new era offense, coach.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's just really cool to watch. Ball State though, not a bad team. Six and four and I forget which Big Ten team. They knocked off Indiana early uh-huh. in the year. So they got one Big Ten uh, team that they've already knocked off. So they're capable if you're looking for a little college football, uh Not over the weekend, but tonight you can get your fix. Northern Illinois taking on Ball State. Some baseball news real quick to bring up with you, big dog. One, two, three. Let's go one. They named the rookie of the years last, uh, last night or yesterday and a Craig Krimble, the closer. Kimble, I should say, the closer for the Atlanta, uh, for the Braves? For the Braves. Okay. And he wins the award over another Atlanta Brave, right? First baseman, Freddie Freeman.
3: Yeah. And it, it was, uh, it was very close because Kimbrell made it closer during a, a, a kind of a bad September. But every other month of the year, so Kim, Kimbrel was so unreal for about four months of the season, coach. He didn't give up a run, and he ended up the year with 129 strikeouts in 77 mm-hmm. innings. That is ridiculous. And that's
1: coach. a rookie in a position you rarely see a rookie in the in the closer role for a contending team. We should add.
3: And, you know, the funny thing is the guy that sets him up is another rookie, Johnny Venters, who's a left-hander, mm-hmm. and he throws a 98-mile-an-hour two-seam fastball, and then they got this kid, O'Flaherty, another lefty who throws a bunch of change-ups and stuff, and all these kids are under 23 years old. The Braves have a bullpen. Who knows? Because, you know, they, they, all their arms can go bad. You know, you never know. But if those guys stay healthy, they for a decade have the best bullpen in the Major League. For a yep. decade, if they all stay healthy.
1: They're still hurting, I'm sure, from that uh, unbelievable collapse in September that allowed the Cardinals not only to make the playoffs, but, of course, to get at a roll win the World Series. But they can take some solace, Big Dog, in the fact that they finished first and second, one two in the Rookie of the Year balloting. Jeremy Hellickson, Tampa Bay Devil Ray, or I should say Tampa Bay Rays, he wins your American League uh, Rookie of the Year award in second place, Anaheim Angel. Would you call him a utility infielder, Mark Trumbo?
3: Um, no, he just plays first baseman coach. He's okay. just a first baseman. That's it. Now he's first base DH. And, you know, it's funny is I thought Eric Hosmer or the Royals should have won it. That's, that, I watched way too much baseball this year. I Eric was going to
1: say, that's it's a shame. Said. It's a travesty. It's an injustice. And uh, who's Aaron Presner?
3: Eric Hosmer. You know who Eric Hosmer is? Not really. <laughs> he's like the – He's like the second overall draft pick from like four years ago from the Royals, and they brought him up this year. and it okay. was unbelievable. He was better in so but he didn't play the whole season. So mm-hmm. that's probably what's what, the difference.
1: All right. Item number two in the baseball news, Carlos Zambrano. Meeting with Theo Epstein apparently yesterday, and Theo basically said, Carlos, we'll uh, take you back, but the onus is on you. The behavior's got to be top-notch. you got to be a great teammate. But Theo, uh, you know, not going with the – Common thought process sees at the Chicago Cub public, he's willing to take uh, Carlos Zambrano back.
3: Well, might as well at this point. I mean, if he pitches, he's a tremendous asset. You're talking about a guy that wins sixty percent of his ball games when uh, when he's pitching with uh, his mind right. So I have no problem with him. Hopefully, he, can get, he, mm-hmm. he does get his mind right. And they met at a Goose Island coach. What? They didn't meet at Wrigley Field. They oh. met at Goose
1: Island. Nice. Well, that's, you know, 28-year-old, or not 28 anymore, 34-year-old, modern day. That's the uh, the uh new style of ownership. You wouldn't get a Jim Henry holding a meeting like that at Goose Island.
3: Absolutely not, Coach.
1: I heard Jim Henry had a couple meetings at the Redhead Piano Lounge late at night. But, uh, you know, it's a different clientele. It's a different age group, Big Uh
3: No, he should have went to La Susana's La Cantina. Is where they should have. Ah. That place got. Oh, that's it's phenomenal. So
1: ah. good margaritas.
3: The oh, the the margaritas are good. The flapos are even better. The who? I don't know what they're called. Coach, oh, flautas. Like, that too. Ah. That's, good.
1: that's oh, that's Outstanding. delicious. Outstanding. Might I suggest, by the way, Zapatistas. Zap, if you're a guacamole fan, they actually have a guacamole bar where uh-huh. you like you can order from the waiter or go right up there and you order your guacamole and they. Crush it right there for you. You can put whatever you want in. Mild sauce, the medium salsa, and they mix it fresh right there. You bring it back to your table with some chips. Awfully good big dough, if you're a guacamole fan.
3: Oh, are you kidding me, Coach? I like to take good care of myself. Yes, I love guacamole.
1: <laughs> well, that's right. It's got all the uh, correct oils.
3: Oh, it's got the best fats in the world for you, Coach. Get yes. skinny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right, you and me at Zapatista's at some point. Baseball note number three. Woo-hoo! Real quick, just to get rid of the baseball, but this was a major story over the weekend. I'm sure you followed it, dog. This is why we have Residue Tuesday. It's one of those stories we were not able to get to, recapping all the football game, but Wilson Ramos, catcher, Washington Nationals, unbelievably kidnapped in Venezuela. His hometown was Thursday or Friday, held captive. He had no idea what it was about, but he was held for 48 hours, then an unbelievable rescue mission, and Wilson Ramos is is back home with his family safe and sound.
3: Yeah, they had some of the, the Venezuelan commandos come in and, and rescue him. Uh, they, they knew, as soon as they described the people, they knew exactly what they were, because these guys kidnap people all the time. But, you know, whenever it happens to a Major League Baseball player, they know it'll get back to the United States and it'll be a black mark on the
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, on the country. So uh, they decided to go save him. And, you know, what's funny is I've been want- I have been wanted to talk about that all last week, but we were too busy with all yep. the disgusting stories going around last week. Yep. That was actually kind of like a heart up Heartwarming.
1: Well, it was scary at first, it, it ended out heartwarming. It was kind of scary-slash-tragic uh, in the beginning. I mean, just, to you know, kidnapped in, in the it, it, uh, broad it, daylight it, like that.
3: It, it is tragic when you think about how often somebody's getting kidnapped in Venezuela right now. Right now, as we speak, there's yep. somebody getting... I mean, it's, it's pretty sad,
1: but it's true. And I guess the rescue mission, I mean, you can imagine Wilson Ramos, you, you know, first of all, you're scared for your life, completely no idea what's going on you know you're holed up in a room and all of a sudden he hears the break-in and all kinds of shooting and firing and he you know at this point he has no idea right could be gang warfare it could be you know who knows so he's hiding under the bed he said it was like a movie of the worst kind he said he was you know literally crying and he thought his life was gonna he has no idea what's going on and then the shooting stops and he hears people calling out hey wilson are you there wilson and sure enough, he's rescued an amazing story, probably made for TV in about a year and a half.
3: So they were they were they were calling his name, and telling him to come out. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I got you. Yeah. Okay,
1: so and on. of course, at that point, I don't know. You know, I suppose you come out, but you're you're thinking, you know, hey, is it the good guys or the bad guys? But at any rate, we needed a little a, a little good news, and it had a, a feel-good story ending, anyways. Even though it was a a uh, very down story to begin with. That's my baseball news and notes for the day, Big uh,
3: that, that Those are good baseball news and notes, and it ends with a guy getting saved out of a hotel. Yes. I mean, out of, a, out of a, being from captivity. That's pretty cool, Coach. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yep. Really good stuff. Yep.
1: Brad Pitt has already uh, volunteered himself to play the part of Wilson Ramos in the uh, Venezuelan rescue story.
3: So he wants to actually be the actual yep. uh, hostage taker, yep. Coach. Yep.
1: And Brian Dennehy already been signed to be the leader of the uh, Venezuelan Commandos.
3: Oh, that's excellent! Excellent. So he's, he's he's a powerful
1: performer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He really looks Venezuelan too. Yes. Yeah. All right. How about Monday Night Football? We got to talk about the Green Bay Packers, forty-five to seven, broken record here. Aaron Rodgers, another phenomenal game. What was he? Twenty-three of thirty-four touchdowns. Couple of hundred yards passing. Guys, amazing, and the Packers absolutely blew out the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah,
3: and not only was Rodgers incredible. Uh, but their special teams were awesome, their offensive line did a did a really, really good job. I mean they did a flat out beat down uh, of the of the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think I've seen a player besides DeMarcus Ware earlier in the year for the Cowboys. Play out plays so well for a team that got destroyed. Like Jared Allen played for the Packers last. I mean, played for the Vikings last night. The guy was everywhere. Making play after play, and his team just kept giving up point after point. It was pretty funny.
1: He is a. I know the Bear fans hate him. He's the kind of guy you you love to hate if he's in the opposition. But Jared Allen, if he played in the city of Chicago, big dog, he would be almost Ditka esque, Ditka esque type icon because he's got that blue collar, just relentless. Attitude, personality, and playing style.
3: Yeah, and uh, he just keeps going and going and going. He's ener- you know he's Energizer Bunny when he's out yeah. on the football field. It's really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. So, all right, and that's uh, 15 wins in a row, by the way, for the Green Bay Packers, counting all the way to their run to the Super Bowl last year. So they are uh, putting on quite a streak. I picked them to go 15 and one this year. I'm wondering where, when, how, if, why that one defeat will come. Big dub. maybe against the Bears. And by the way. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's a Christmas Day game.
3: That is a Christmas Sunday night game. Of, wow. what is it? it's the only game of the day on Christmas. So uh, I'm pretty sure this year Saturday Christmas Eve gets all like it's, there's like 12 games there and then uh, or 14 and then there's one on Sunday night, one on Monday night. Nice. So it's nice. Uh, so we won't get
1: uh, Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys playing at about two o'clock on Christmas Day again, huh?
3: I don't think we are. I think we're only getting the okay. one Sunday night game this year. That's uh-huh. all That's all we're going to get. That works. Sure.
1: Christmas night's a slow night, right? You're kind of all, you know, the adrenaline uh, flow is over. You're kind of in the come-down mode. That's a perfect time. People are complaining about it. If, in fact, it's an evening game, I love the fact, Bear Packer Christmas Day at night.
3: Yeah, and that, and that, I'm going to end up with, because uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to end up being at my cousin's house. That's going to be but Ugly, Coach. Ooh, I would end up on a train at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. It's not going to be good, Coach, after that night. Hopefully I get home.
1: <laughs> Bears, by the way, coming off, of course, that 37-13 uh, to 13 win. A couple of things we didn't talk about yesterday, Big Dog. And uh... Yes, David? Just
0: looking at the NFL schedule, and I'll check this on another website, uh, all the games are on Saturday except for the Bears-Green Bay. Well, there's got to be a Monday night game, right? Which is... Yeah, there's a, there's a Monday night game. Yeah, yeah. all right. So that's what Joel said. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry.
3: No, no, no. The Bears are a Sunday night. That's what he Right. Said. The Bears are Sunday night. That yeah.
0: they're the only game on Christmas. So.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then there's a Monday night, Sunday night game, and then like also, oh, it's uh that Saturday's gonna be awfully. There's gonna, oh that's a, that's actually a bad weekend. I don't like the way that's set up because there's no college football. That's what I forgot is the bowls are in the middle of everything. Well,
1: that's the whole idea. Yeah. There's no college football, so you put a nice slate of pro football games on. On Saturday, I think that works out well. Uh You know, everybody comes out happy if you're a football fan. Uh, a couple of guys we did not mention yesterday. But, uh, we talked about the phenomenal game from Julius Peppers. The entire defense played great. One guy that we that, uh, I thought was just outstanding we didn't mention yesterday. And I think he's an all-pro, first-team all-pro candidate. Again, we've only played nine games. Talking about Charles Peanut Tillman, who I thought was, uh, again, very, very good yesterday. Yeah,
3: he was phenomenal. He, well, the intercession return for a touchdown always looks good. On, that on the was the resume. least
1: of his good things, to be honest. Yeah.
3: Uh, and, he, and he didn't have a, a forced fumble, which was rare. Normally he gets one of those a game. Just another solid game against Calvin Johnson, Megatron, one of the best receivers in all of football. You know, Coach, when, when, you're right, all pro, which would mean him and Daryl Rebus to be the two top corners in football. That's really not going too far, saying that he's in the top two uh, corners. But, you know, he's never had a Pro Bowl season. He's never been even considered he's the top four corners in the NFC. How is
1: that possible? He's going to this year. Mm-hmm. He's He's been on the cusp. You know, you, you never quite mention him with the top of the top. He's always been good. There was a year or two when he started to slip off and some Bear fans kind of got off the peanut bandwagon. They were even talking about him switching positions, moving over to safety. But the last three years, he's... You know, gotten better as a quarterback, and this year he has just been outstanding. And, you know, he covers Calvin Johnson, got the interception return for the touchdown. Big Dog, I was impressed by the fact that he's you still got to cover the best receiver in football. And he was able to fight off blocks, and I'm not saying he was the leading tackler in the game, but you watch when the game was in hand in the first half. Charles Tillman came up with some big tackles as well.
3: Okay, I don't know. When's the last time the Bears had a run-stuffing corner like him? He might be the best run-stuffing corner the Bears have had since the '60s. Honestly.
1: Yeah, he runs stuffs and he covers. I think that's pretty much the definition of a first-team All-Pro cornerback.
3: Well, see, the thing is, I guess when they play that cover two, yep you don't you don't get the recognition as a corner. You know, you just don't. Yeah. You good good like point. being the game manager
1: yep. quarterback. Yep. yep. Good point. You know? But he was he was pretty much uh what you know the last two games wherever the star receiver is going who'd they play last week? Um Now I'm mind well, blanking already. I'm, see this, the this Eagles?
3: Well, they played the Eagles and Deshaun Jackson. Yeah,
1: right. So he had to guard Deshaun Jackson and whatever Deshaun lined up, uh, Tillman went with him. So, and they went a lot more man to man coverage, especially in the Philadelphia Eagles game. So, but that's a good point about the cover too. It does take some of the respect away. But there's still a lot of season to be played. But I think right now if you Judge and the other teams and players and coaches got to vote. I think Charles Tillman uh, right up there amongst the best defensive backs in football.
3: Well, he's definitely going to the Pro Bowl for the first time this year. Hopefully. Hopefully.
1: Hope I so. do know he's
3: going to go one year, and he had, like, soldier surgery or something like that that mm-hmm. year. So, Yeah.
1: Should have just popped it back into place. Tape muppy would have been fine to go. Another guy, yet again, I got to mention him each and every week because you know everybody's talking about special teams. And Devin Hester, what does Jeff Joniak say? Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. Just once. Just once after one of Robbie Gold's field goals. I like to hear him say, Robbie Gold, you are ridiculous. Because Robbie Gold, again, big dog. Was hitting field goal after field goal. I think he missed one. But he hit like three out of four, including a fifty yard of the guys. Absolutely amazing.
3: He he missed his first of the season, isn't it? I think so. That was his first miss of the year, and it, it was a, a day when there were 40 mile an hour wind gusts. Yep. You know, and you had Jim Schwartz, coach of the Lions. Welcome, oh, the wind was blowing when we were doing stuff, and it wasn't when they were. You know, well, yeah, well, because Robbie Gold controls the wind. So I'll let Jim Schwartz know that, okay, that Robbie Gold controls the whole entire uh, weather mm. here in the city
1: of Chicago. And you're talking about him missing his first field goal, and just as a reminder, we're not. In week three, four, or five of the season, we're into week ten, and that was his first miss. That's unbelievable.
3: And he and this was the weekend of the missed field goal. All over the NFL and college football, there were massive missed field goals. Think about the the Cleveland Browns; they missed a twenty-two yard field goal that would have won the game. Well, put give them giving them a lead with fifty-seven seconds to go in a in a day where the the what do you call it the uh, the Rams had scored one touchdown. So, uh, and then in college football, there was a bunch of missed field goals. It was the missed field goal weekend, coach. As a matter of fact, yesterday or on Sunday, there were eight missed field goals just in the first half of the first set of games uh, on Sunday afternoon. So maybe
1: was the, was the wind gusting everywhere? Maybe it was a windy Sunday.
3: That that's, it definitely was, Coach. Everywhere they were going, they were like, "Oh, it's an extremely windy game." Like in Philadelphia, uh, I'll tell
1: you. You know, I was, I was at the game at Soldier Field. The wind gust was incredible, and there was stuff like napkins and paper cups constantly blowing on the field. But I forgot to mention the yesterday, a little bit of a humorous moment, and I was able to catch it. And uh, I bring binoculars to the games, not big deal. Partly because I enjoy the binocular look, and partly because my eyes aren't that good, so I can actually see the game. But anyhow, um, early in the game. Like first or second series, one of the coaches you could see was a sheet of paper from the playbook started blowing from the Detroit sidelines across the field. And I kind of caught it. Nobody else noticed. It. I pointed it out to my friends. Hey, that might be like, you know, part of the playbook and it's blowing across, blowing across, blowing across. And I put the binoculars on it. Meanwhile, the game's going. Everybody's watching the game temporarily. I am watching that sheet of paper. It was just me and the sheet of paper. And sure enough, it blows all the way into the opposite side. Some young kid on the Bears' sideline picks it up, starts looking at it. So I'm like totally hooked into it. I got the binocs on right now. And then he gets a little bit of a smile on his face, walks all the way across the uh, sidelines of the Chicago Bears, and gives the sheet of paper to Dave Taup. Taub starts look Taub starts looking at it. He gets a smile on his face and whoever it was, I didn't know what player was behind him, they start joking about it a little bit, and sure enough the Detroit Lions sent one of their intern guys, young kids, sprinting along the end zone around the bench and got the sheet from Dave Taub. But um
3: was, And then four yeah. minutes later, uh Devin Hester is scoring a touchdown for the Chicago Bears on specialty.
1: Maybe they discovered something, but uh at any rate, Robbie Gold and Charles Tillman, just an outstanding game for the Chicago Bears. Got to mention those two guys in particular. Bears in San Diego next week, by the way. 315 again, and uh, the Bears are already a four point favorite in that game, Doug. That,
3: that seems about right. Yeah. Uh, that seems, that's just about where they should be. I was thinking yeah. it'd be four or five and a half in
1: yeah. that area. I hate to tell you, beat the schmoes is about six days off. David Olson, you can make notes to pick against me. I, I hate to do this. And, again, I can change my opinion, but i I take San Diego right now.
0: I like the Bears in this
1: game. I don't know. San Diego, good team. Four and five, bad in need of a victory. Bears kind of on a roll right now. It's not like they want to lose, but, you know, a loss would not be crushing to the Bears. All my psychological signs are pointing to uh, San Diego, big dog. Which is why I'm 14 and 18 overall and beat the Schmoes. Yeah,
3: yeah. I just, psychologically, yeah, I can see. You know, the Bears are going down into their break kind of, of the season. They're playing the yeah. AFC West. Yep, there could be a letdown. Uh, I see what you're saying. I worry more about the last game going into Denver because they're, they're going to have to play God's Son. Right?
1: Ooh, that's going to be good. Bears against Timmy Tebow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and remember Seattle? Everybody laughed about the Seattle game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Pete Carroll and Seattle laughed all the way to the bank after they played the Bears last year. They beat us, right?
3: Uh. Coach, the Bears played Seattle in the playoffs and gave them a freaking beatdown.
1: No, 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 The no. Bears played Seattle regular season last year.
3: The Bears played Seattle in the playoffs last year. That's we... the one that's sticking with me. How about that?
1: Okay. But the regular season game, which that's what this game will be in a couple of weeks—a regular season game. Everybody, I remember, all the Bear fans were, you know, who's Seattle? You know, automatic victory might not even watch. Something. And Seattle beat us. So I would not count that as an automatic victory either.
3: Mike Williams had the greatest game of his career. 11 catches for 110 yards. Touchdown.
1: Which Mike Williams? There's like six of them right now. Is that the Mike Williams from USC?
3: You're Mike Williams, the one that you love. Yeah, from USC.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Not mine anymore. I used to love <laughs> Yeah, we broke up a long time ago. For a brief moment in time, it was a... It was a fleeting, you know, a fleeting romance. It was hot and heavy at the time, but it did not last long. Trust me, and it was not very fulfilling.
3: No, it was not, Coach.
1: <laughs> All right, Big Dog. Anything else on your sheet of paper? By the way, if we could uh, jump off the sports page real quick. Sports guys talk politics in the rotating leadership at the top of the standings in the leaders and legends division of the Republican uh, primaries. Newt uh-huh. Gingrich, my friend. Newt Gingrich has jumped ahead of Michigan, and Mitt Romney as your leader. Newt Gingrich, he's right there for you.
3: Wow. Really? Newt Gingrich is? Yep. Obama's going
1: to win the presidency again? Yeah, if it came, uh, Obama. I will say, when you watch the debates, I don't agree with his opinion, but if you watch the debates, Newt Gingrich, you cannot argue he is intelligent, and he is, quote-unquote, for whatever it means, he is presidential-looking. He yeah, has that. He, he has that aura about him.
0: But he comes across as a know-it-all.
1: Oh, that he does.
0: And I think that's kind of that's that's a turnoff. I mean, the the, the thing you've got to realize about these Republican candidates is they've already got they've already got the Republican base. It's winning over the independent vote. Yes, and that that's what's
1: going to carry him to the White House. Yeah, but but even the hardcore well, can go ahead, Joe. Coming off
3: as of a know-it-all didn't hurt our current president. Does he come off of a. Total know it all during his last election. You think so? so no, well,
0: no,
2: no, you guys, no, no,
3: guys, did it no. To me, Well, to me, David, I was like, oh, "Are you kidding me?" Let's let this guy speak. So, I, <laughs> so that's.
1: I like what Bill I Maher like said. The Newt, Newt Gingrich's numbers are up; He's leading the polls, which is not good news for Mrs. Gingrich. Seems I like don't get it. well, it seems like anytime he has success, uh, he tends to switch wives. Oh, okay. I think we're on number three right now memory serves me correct
3: well a third time's a charm coach
1: let us hope so let us hope so because he's not getting any younger so uh his wives are getting younger but newt is not at any rate doll we got to wind it up today phenomenal job for the females out there uh that like to uh find out where you might be possibly a little stalking a little stalking never killed anybody where might you be today out in the uh general public
3: uh, Coach, uh, hopefully I, I won't have to leave the home whatsoever. I am about to run up and down the street a couple times, though. So if you want to catch That's me in. on Esquire Estate, come come check it out, Coach. Come
1: on, man. you got to get outside. A sturdy oak was never built in a greenhouse, my friend. I'll
3: be in, I'll be in a tank top, everyone.
1: But you'll be inside your house. What good no, is no,
3: that? I'm going well, to run up and down the street to Esquire oh. Estate. It's sunny out right eh, now,
1: Doesn't do it for me. I'm Li- sorry, Coach. Lily, Everything good with Lily the Lala?
3: Uh, she's in Taipei right now in a mud bath. Oh, she's going to be in Asia for the next two two weeks. Oh, you, you have no idea. I'm like the guy in the in the in the middle of that commercial that's crying at the airport. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll you know, only be a couple of days. That's kind of how I am right now.
1: So. Wow. Yeah, but look at the bright side. She's in Taipei and she's in a mud bath. What trouble could she get into? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Later, guys. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com, signing off. David Olson, producer extraordinary, Great job. Have a great day, everybody. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. Tell a friend. We'll see you tomorrow.